If we don't become the models for the women that are behind us, you have two girls, I have two girls, I want my girls to strive for the exit. I want them to look at an IPO. I want them to look at acquisition. I want them to, you know, I want them to look and feel like they can make it way beyond the million dollars. That was my first goal. Welcome to CEO School. We're your hosts, Sanera Madani and Shannon Monson. And we believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue. And we're on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who have made it to the 2% Club, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they've defied the odds so that you can do it too. You're a real business now. Class is officially in session. I am so excited for this week's episode to interview Kara Brown, who is the founder of a incredible marketing agency in Atlanta called Smith Brown Marketing. And you're going to love her story. You're going to love everything that she's doing and what she stands for. And something that is really, really exciting that I want to share with everyone listening today is the fact that Kara is actually one of the first humans that raised the 2% statistic to me. Um, And we talked about this. We actually met randomly at a beautiful place called Saren B in Atlanta. And it was, it's so gorgeous. And I was there for a CEO retreat with our venture partners. I see a group of individuals kind of like staring in through a window. I'm like, okay, like what, what are they doing? And I, I come outside to say hi. And uh, Kara says, are you mom boss? And Totally, we'll get into that story, but it was a fangirl moment for Kara and for myself because this was the first time that anybody had ever recognized me outside of my Instagram. And so that is how Kara and I met. And very quickly, in that 50 seconds of what happened, uh, Kara introduced herself as the CEO of a marketing agency and that she also was there for a retreat for EO, uh, which I know she'll share a little bit about uh, today, but another group uh, where she was learning from about uh, with other, but with other entrepreneurs. And she shared with me um, that less than 2% of female founders ever hit a, a million in revenue and that she's so proud of the fact that she has done this. And when she told me this 2% statistic, I swear to God, I had, it's, it was, it was mind blowing to me. And, but it was that aha moment that I had where it was the first time that was shared. And then through that, I started messaging Kara online through Instagram and we started building this friendship and started talking more and more about this statistic and why it is so, um, unfortunately feels so unattainable when it shouldn't be. And this has obviously been a huge fuel to everything that I've been working on over the last year. And so we all have Kara to thank for that. So I wanted to, um, give you this introduction before I introduce Kara. So you guys can get that whole picture before she gives her story. So Kara, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you today. Well, thank you. I am so happy to be here. And thank you for telling everyone that I'm a straight up stalker uh, in the no. intro. <laughs> but no, I actually, I say this to women that I mentor and women that I know, uh, you are not the only female entrepreneur that I have stalked, if I'm totally honest. Yeah. Uh, there have been others where I have uh, put myself in their orbit on purpose to be in their in their orbit and to learn from women that are 
bigger, faster, stronger, better entrepreneurs than I am. I'd love to deep dive like right into your background. I want our audience to get to know you a little bit. Tell me about um, you know, your marketing agency, kind of tell me about your background, want to hear why you became an entrepreneur and how ultimately you you achieved the 2% club. Yeah, so I w- did not think I was going to be an entrepreneur. Um, that was definitely not the game plan. So I'm going to take you way back. I was one of the first 20 employees at a company called Echo Global Logistics in 2006. And I was super fortunate. It was by happenstance I got this job. And it happened to be owned by Eric Lipkowski and Brad Keywell. And if those names ring a bell, it's because they started Groupon. Um, mm. done many, many more things after that. But I was really fortunate. I was a hustler and I was young and I had a lot of energy. And my boss uh, walked by one day and he said, hey, we're going to go public here's the banker's business card. Can you go get started on whatever we have to do for the investor relations stuff? Uh, We have to write an S1. And I was like, yeah, do you want to tell me what a, you know, you know, boss, I'm going to Google that. I got you. No problem. So the company I worked for Echo grew 3000% in three years. And my name is on that IPO press release. And then I actually got to send the first Groupon email which I, I've never W2'd for the company. I take no credit for its founding at all. But the guys that started it came over and they said, hey, you have the email addresses for everyone sort of in this 600 West Chicago ecosystem. Would you send out this coupon thing? And I was like, yeah, sure. So I actually got to be a part of sort of watching Groupon take off next door. So grew up from a professional perspective in this sort of hyper um, entrepreneurial ecosystem. Post-IPO, got picked up by a company in Nashville to do their IPO. They were six years into a a private equity deal. Instead of going public, they sort of got in a little bit of legal trouble. Long story short, ended up not going public. Um, And I called my husband and I said, hey, babe, so um, this company isn't going public. They're not going to need me. What do you want to do? And he's like, let's go make some babies. And I was like, all right, good, good timing. So moved back to Chicago, which is home for us and popped out two kids, and started the marketing agency, <laughs> my set, like literally back to back, started the marketing agency in my house, in my pajamas, sort of sending emails for friends for Target pin money. We were so broke. We were living on one income uh, in the suburbs of Chicago. We had one car. I had two kids under two. I was miserable. I hated my life. Went back and got an MBA and started just sort of sending emails for friends. Uh, that parlayed into like an actual business. I think I, I brought in, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks that first year, which was nice by myself and ended up getting a job offer, moved to Atlanta for that job offer. And then when I exited that sort of restarted the business here in Atlanta. So we're in Atlanta. Uh, it's 2017. I closed close to four or 500,000 K and work really, really quick and didn't know how to scale, didn't know what I was doing, was terrified I was going to sort of lose it all and et cetera. And talked to some friends of friends and they said, go meet these people. And I found out about the entrepreneur organization. So EO has a million dollar requirement. So you have to hit a million bucks to be an EO. And there's a club called EOA, which is the uh, Entrepreneur Organization Accelerator Program. So I joined that. And then at the same time, joined Launchpad 2X which is Bernie Dixon's, um, she's a sort of a woman about town in Atlanta. 
she runs a three-day boot camp for women entrepreneurs. So uh, at the same time, I learned the 1.7 statistic. So less than 2% of female founders will break a million bucks. And I was like, I can, I can do that. Like, here, yeah, hold, yeah. My, hold my beer, right? <laughs> so that was, that's not hard. We can do that. So we did that with an all-female team in about 10 months. But it was, it was the combination of the EO and the EOA structure and the goal of a million dollars to get into EO, the launch pad three-day boot camp where I really learned how to be less of a small business freelancer and really turn myself into the CEO or the first sort of turn of that into an actual CEO. And then also the statistic and just sort of my insanely competitive nature to go out there and get it done. And that's sort of how it all came about. I absolutely love it. I'm dying. I'm like literally sitting here and I'm like, I want to pause. I want to pause. I want to pause because I want to go back and hear about all of it because you make it sound so easy, Kara. You make it sound so, so, so easy that you're like, I just closed, you know, a couple hundred thousand in revenue. No big deal. I could do it again in my sleep. Right. And although it now feels second nature to you, probably going through it, it didn't feel that way. And I think that's a huge component of it for women. I feel like, um, you know, one of the stories that I share about how, um, Shannon and I really, uh, Shannon, my partner for Icon, um, we really got like, like shit got together so quickly was at Icon Live. I was there in Atlanta for an event and I was speaking at her conference and there was over a hundred women in the room and I got up on stage and I asked them, how many of you guys want to have a six figure business? And every single one, probably, I think almost everyone raised their hand and I said, put your hand down and like nobody had said, no, I want to have a seven figure business. And half of the battle is that we don't even dream big enough. Um, and that we were know that we're allowed to dream big enough. And I think it's just that reminder. And I, I kind of talked about that to the audience of like, why are we not dreaming to have million dollar businesses? And it was that first time that somebody probably had questioned them to say, why does success look like a six figure business for a woman? Why doesn't it look like a seven figure or an eight figure or even greater an IPO or whatever that looks like for us. And I think it's just because nobody even asks us that and that we don't even, we we have any, our mind isn't even unlocked to see that, okay, that is a potential uh, that is realistic for us. So I think that's, it's not even about that. We can't do it or we don't even get there. I think the first battle is the fact that no one even like, we've never even been asked that question to even know that we should be thinking about that. 100%. I totally agree. And we had this conversation just this last week with my, at a group of EO peers that got together And we were talking about women in EO and YPO. And I said to the man next to me, I said, listen, if 2%, less than 2% of female founders will break a million dollars in business, how many do you think break the 20 million that's required to get into the next club? Yeah. It's a rounding error. It's a rounding error. And I think you're right. I think that we don't, we as women don't challenge ourselves, or maybe I think what's most important, Sanira, and I think what's what I'm so proud to be your friend and to be a part of this is that there aren't enough women models. And when I think about my corporate career and I think about who I saw myself becoming, it was not to become an entrepreneur because I worked, the entrepreneurs I worked for who are outrageously successful and wonderful humans are all men. And if we don't become the models for the women that are behind us, you have two girls, I have two girls, right? Like I want my girls 
to strive for the exit. I want them to look at an IPO. I want them to look at acquisition. I want them to, you know, I want them to look and feel like they can make it way beyond the million dollars. That was my first goal. I think that we need, if we can do one thing, it is inspire women to strive for the 2% club, right? That, that having a, a six, seven, $800,000 business is fine and nice and good job, but the goal is to break through, right? Because on the other side of the breakthrough is, is sophistication. It's being taken seriously. Um, it's, it's elevating the folks around you to bring you up another level. So um, my goal in graduating, call it graduating from the, the EO accelerator program was to hit this million dollar goal. And then the next one is YPO, right? And so how do you get there? And it changes. So right now in this time of COVID, we're actually growing through COVID, which is kind of a crazy story, but it's a good one. And so we're growing through COVID. And I told my someone on my team today, I said, we're taking this time to put the structures in place so that we can come out of this time more sophisticated. Because if you were to take a 10 or $20 million business and put it on the structures that I have at the you know $2 million level, it would break, right? So you've done this, like you scaled and the you understand that the the systems that you have to put in place to scale from 500K to a million to two to 20, they just, they get a lot more sophisticated. And so it's it's our responsibility to share that with the women who are coming up, right? And say, hey, like, this is the coach I used, or this is the accounting system that works for us, or, you know, you really need to be, you know, switching your systems to X, or have you thought about trying this marketing angle, whatever it is. Um, and, and sharing that with the women around us. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more there. And it really is like, uh, you know, something that I always say is like, what got you to, you know, even getting, even like, let's take it back. Even though it's not even about even getting the six figures, what got you to $10,000 a month is not what's going to get you to six figures. Right. What got you to six figures is not what's going to get you to seven figures. Yeah. And what got you to seven is not what's going to get you to eight. Every single step of the way, there's like this big mountain. That's a new set of challenges, even with growth. Right. I always thought, I think when I look back at my early days and tell me if this resonates with you, I was like, if I just had a person, like it was always like a people problem. Like I always like put my, my problems on people. I was like, if I had this, this one person, then this would eliminate all the shit that I have to do. And then I would grow. And it wasn't the people, it was the process that was missing. Mm -hmm. And when I hired that person, I would just delegate off the tasks, but it wasn't adding strategic value because I was, you know, like that wasn't what I needed. I needed to hire people that were smarter than me. When Fat Merchant launched, like, I think the best thing that we did was like my first 10 hires truly were remarkable humans that were 10 times smarter than me. And oh, prior God. to that, prior to that, I was just delegating off stuff to people that like, it didn't make sense. I had 1099s, I had contractors. I did not have the support system around me to really scale. And when I brought on people that were smarter than me, I, I, and I stepped back and I said, okay, this is where everyone is good at. And this is where I don't need to, I can let them lead. And it made a huge difference for me. And I think smarter than you is, is a piece, right? But like IQ is not everything, right? I think it's, what are their skills? So for example, uh, the, the book Rocket Fuel, right? He says the, the author says there are visionaries and integrators and that's it. You're one or the other. I am a hundred percent a visionary. 
I come back from some like learning session and I come back to the team and I'm like, we're going to do X, Y, Z. And the team is like, okay, can we talk about that on Friday after we get through the work we have to do? And I come back with these crazy ideas all the time. And so my first two hires, my, my senior team are two women who are spectacular integrators. Yes. Women take my ideas and they tell me no in the nicest possible way. Or they say, okay, she's really serious about this one. Let's go figure out a way to do it. So about 10 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, uh, we started putting laid off sales reps to work. So we had always done the marketing work and we had delivered warm leads to clients. So we'd say, here are the 15 folks that filled out a form or here's the 50 folks that came to the webinar. And we're, we're really good at that. We do a really good job. And we had started to sort of make this first call or the SDR call, right? We hadn't turned into a real business yet. And so as soon as COVID hit and all these uh, sales reps got laid off around Atlanta, around Atlanta, we started picking them up. And so we've put 26 laid off sales reps back to work, dialing for our clients. And it's been working. What? Yeah. That is- so awesome. I also want to dig into what your agency does. I want to hear about what you guys do, what you guys specialize in. Then we're going to let's go into, you know, even COVID and how you're growing through it through COVID. I think it's just so awesome. Wait, one more thing before I lose my train of thought. Yes. On the integrator versus the visionary. A hundred percent. You need to have the integrators. Otherwise we can't all be visionaries. We're all going to, nothing's ever going to get done and you need the right people to be, to be able to execute against the plan. Yeah. And I think the hardest part for me as a visionary, and I think why I like you so much, right? And why we like each other is because we speak the same language, right? It's it's like, oh yeah, let's go do this. And yeah, let's go do that. And let's go do this. And if you don't surround yourself with people that are the integrators to those crazy ideas, nothing actually ever gets done, right? So uh, it, it's really it was really important to me. I got really good advice in terms of my first couple of hires was don't hire more of you hire folks that can do the things that you can't do. Right. And I don't mean that from a skill perspective. I mean it from a personality perspective. So uh, it was really important, but to the business. So our business is very specific. We do business to business lead gen only. So we run uh, your webinars and then tell you who showed up. So B2B lead gen is really three things. It's sharing good news or thought leadership tracking who is interested in that thought leadership or good news, and then following up. It's really three steps. There's obviously a lot more complicated ways to do it. We have identified six lead gen strategies. Some work for some clients, some work for others. Clearly, in-person meetings are out. And so we've also been saying uh, for the last 12 weeks that that, uh, inside sales reps are the MVPs of COVID because they are keeping the lights on, right? Folks that can get on the phone and make an impact and share value without having to meet someone in person are like gold right now. And so, uh, yeah, so we, we, we've been growing through COVID specifically because this is our bread and butter, right? The inside sales rep, the, uh, the way to get in front of folks at a time when you can't be physically in front of someone, uh, has been a, a big win for us. So no complaints from COVID except for I miss my team so much. Like I miss the I miss getting together as an as an organization, um, I know. but it's been it's been it's been uh, it's been cool. And what was really cool was I came I came back to the team in early March. Actually, it was probably late March because I spent most of March on the phone with 
other entrepreneurs and filling out every government SBA, PPP, and EIDL form that I could get my hands on, like everyone else did. And after pulling my hair out for a couple of weeks and, and doing okay on the on the loan front, came back and said, hey guys, like we have got to turn this, we've got to turn this into an opportunity. And the team stepped up like you would not believe. And the team that I have built, I'm so proud of what we've been able to accomplish, even in a pandemic, from home. Uh, with with very little sort of direction. I was like, this is what we're going to do. And everybody stepped up and did it. It's been awesome. That is so incredible. And I think it's so amazing to think about like when, like what the opportunity is around you, right? So it's not just about, I think when everyone's thinking about survival, you're like, you have a different hat on. You're like, okay, it's not just about survival and how I'm going to survive through this and through COVID. It's really about what's next, right? What does growth look like in this next chapter for companies? And I think that's exactly the way um, that we should all be thinking. And what I will also say is that we're growing crazy through COVID. We've had the highest months that we've ever had for our business in both my businesses. So in Icon, as well as for Fat Merchant, we are literally at our highest, it's no coincidence, right? There's a couple of things that go into the factor and it's really thinking outside of the box, not taking no for an answer and finding ways to capitalize on opportunity and like thinking ahead and not just thinking in the present. So kudos to you for, for doing that. And then what an impact you're making, right? Like even just beyond your own business, you have this you're making an impact. You're, you're a purpose-driven organization. You just put 26 laid off people like back to work. That is just so incredible. Thank you is what I feel like. <laughs> yeah, my pleasure. I, it's been, uh, it's been really good. It, it, we've had to grow really fast. I, I hired someone yesterday to run this business for us because no one on the team really has that skill set. And I realized that we had sort of been scotch taping it together just to sort of get it together. But we also were solving problems for ourselves, right? So for example, tech stack. So tech stack around an, an outsourced SDR call center is, I don't, I don't know the first thing about this, right? Like I don't, I'm, we're figuring out. And you're probably confusing half my audience right now too, but yes. It's, oh, sorry. It's, it's, no, you're good. It's technical. It's technical, right? Yeah, it's yeah. About so right people do it. I'll take a second to like explain it. So, yeah. uh, so lead generation is specifically how we get leads into the front door of companies. And we don't do it for individuals uh, and we don't do it for e-commerce providers. We do it specifically for B2B. And even more specifically, we like to work for supply chain, heavy industrial and tech companies for a litany of reasons. And we could have a whole nother podcast about why I think it's really important to pick a lane and stay in it and specialize in it. Um, but it's we, we picked this lane a long time ago. So when we do the lead gen piece, we, we don't often make the first call. And so in a, in a B2B environment, you usually have an SDR or a cold caller that passes off a call to a BDR or a closer. And so a lot of what's been happening in the last 12 weeks is everyone's sitting at home. And so we are getting in front of folks that we could never have gotten in front of before because everyone's sitting at home. And so we can set meetings, which is really the bread and butter of our business, for our clients that are in the supply chain, heavy industrial and technology spaces, because their prospects are sitting at home. And so it's, it's, it's rethinking what's going to happen in 2021, right? It's, and I'm sure that you at Fat Merchant are also doing that. So, you know, (laughs) you are thinking about what's going to happen to my customers, customers in 2021, right? So how are they going to pay for things? How are they going to pay for things online? 
e-commerce is coming on, right? So for example, um, I know a lot about supply chain, like more than I really probably more than your listeners care about, but the key is there's an opportunity in supply chain today because there are boats coming over from China with too much stuff on them. And we haven't shopped enough in the last quarter. And so there's an opportunity in that play to help folks find warehouse space for containers worth of, of, of fast fashion that are coming over from China that can't get placed in the retail locations because nobody shopped for three months. And so there are, and, and I'm sure that there are places where your listeners that women, right, that women entrepreneurs can find your niche. So maybe it's not in helping companies find warehouses for container shipments, that's fine. But find your little piece, right? And figure out how COVID has affected that piece and how can you take your little sliver, your little sliver of, of value? How do you provide your little sliver of value, I should say? And 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 what is that worth? And can you charge a little bit more for it? Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> can you can you can you find a way to to get another audience or another demographic because of what we're doing today because of COVID. No, I, th- I think that it, it, it's so applicable to everyone listening because it really is. I think it's so important to be so focused of like who your audience is and know that customer and to yeah. really solve that problem for it. If you're going to go so wide, you can't solve, you can't really solve the problem for them unless you're like a massive, massive company that has many verticals and they can go after that. But exactly what Kara is talking about is knowing what you're so good at. And then also knowing who you can do it for, like who you can solve that problem for. And then 100% owning that so that you become that expert, right? Like Kara, who's the B2B marketer for supply chain and for all of Southeast, like there's, there's not a lot of people that do that. And so when there's a supply chain company that needs B2B marketing services, you are the expert and there's not even a question about price. There's not even a question about uh, charge. There's honestly, there's nobody else that can solve their problem besides you because the value that you provide, nobody else can provide. And that is what is so important for you to own for anybody that's listening out here is who your ideal client is, what you solve for them and why you are the absolute best. And if you continue to do that one after another, after another, you will become the go-to expert in a much shorter time frame than you actually think about it. Right. So yeah. even if you have to give away your services, getting those testimonials, your initial customers on board is huge to then tackle the entire industry. There's a great book that talks through this. Have you, are you familiar with Donald Miller and his uh, building a story brand? No, so, I'd love to read it. Yeah, so we base our we base our entire business on two books. The first is Aaron Ross's Predictable Revenue, um, and and uh, I really I really like what he does. And then two, and he's got a second book. And then the second book is this Donald Miller Building a Story Brand, and he asks seven questions. And so if you answer those seven questions honestly, and you he's got a brand script, you can do it online. Um, you will come up with your ideal customer profile, the villain, because there's a villain in every story, right? Uh, who your hero is, which is your customer, how you become their guide and how you help them solve their problems. And one of the things that Donald Miller talks about that I think is just super genius is people buy solutions to internal problems, right? So if my external problem is, I need to uh, I need to have a, 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 a payment platform on my Shopify site. And 
my internal problem is really, I don't want to be charged out the nose and I want to know that I'm being treated fairly. Right. And so those are problems. I think, I think that fat merchant can solve. Right. So for us, it is, I need an agency that can help put leads into my pipeline for my sales team. And I want to know that they really know about my market and I don't have to spend three months educating them on who my competitors are. And so if you can solve an internal problem and you can tell people that you can solve their internal problem and internal means how they feel about it, right? So you buy a Tesla. We have a Tesla too. I saw you take a call from your Tesla last week. <laughs> I have also done that. So you buy a Tesla because, not because you need a car, you can buy a Camry for that. You buy a Tesla because it says something about you. It says I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tech forward facing and I think about the environment and I care, right? And so it's, it's, it's what is the internal problem that you and your brand can bring to the table for your client? I think that it's so true. So Kara, I want to kind of bring it back to your, you know, you obviously are just this phenomenal entrepreneur. You've had all this crazy experience. You started your, you know, multiple companies and now you're on this rocket ship with your agency in Atlanta, uh, but would love to kind of talk about your, um, you know, how you got to that, like, what are some tactical things that like, I know we talked about many different things, but if there was one challenge that you maybe had, um, along your way, to, you know, to hit that million dollars in revenue and what you learned from that, um, through that. And then of course, I want to talk about you hitting that million dollar milestone and how you celebrated. <laughs> um, I think so from, from getting to, you know, the couple hundred thousand bucks to crossing the million mark is a, for me was about community. And it was about the Entrepreneur Organization Accelerator Program, Launchpad. I started a community in Atlanta uh, called Close Her, which is a community for female uh, salespeople, folks, that, ladies who want to become sales leaders. And I started that with a friend of mine here in town. Um, it, it's about, it was about creating a community around myself that helped me elevate what we were doing and think through all the things that you and I are talking about today. So in 2017, when I started the business, I had none of this figured out, right? And I'm still learning. And so part of part of getting to that next level for me was putting myself through the through the sort of arduous task of learning as much as I possibly could. And I have an MBA, uh, which is relatively unhelpful. <laughs> and I remember going to my first EOA uh, cash day. So they they spend an entire day on cash. And Greg Crabtree, who's sort of a famous small business uh, uh, author about all things cash flow, was talking to us. And I remember leaving the day thinking I learned more in one day listening to this guy than I did in my entire MBA, right? And so I think a lot of times, specifically women, because we have so many draws on our time, I often say to my team, okay, I'm going to go stop my first job, which is running this company. And I'm going to go home and do my second job, which is mom. And I think we have so many, so many pulls on our time that we forget that learning and spending time on our craft and being owners and being entrepreneurs is just as important as the actual running of the business. And so getting from zero to a million, a big piece of that for me was being a part of this community of of conscientious learners, folks that are never going to stop learning. We share books, right? I'm, I'm looking at my bookshelf of hundreds of books of, of, uh, from, that have been given to me or, or I've shared with my, with my friends in EO and my friends that are entrepreneurs. 
because that's the most important thing you can do is continue to learn and better yourself. I love that. This, this speaks so much to everything that, um, you know, I'm on a mission for, and it speaks so much to like, it's community is community is everything and community is available to all. So it doesn't matter, um, you know, what walk of life you're in, where you live, what, like there's community everywhere, whether that be online, whether that be through organizations, it just requires you to raise your hand and say, I don't want to be alone. And even taking the time for own, like my own development of like what's next. And, um, it's, it's, a good reminder for for all of us today that we all continually need to be investing in that because once that bucket is filled, um, it adds holistically to all the other ones as well. Yeah. And it's, it's where you meet the people that will take you to the next level. Right. So, uh, you and I were talking about coaching, um, before we started the actual recording of the podcast and my coach came from a community, right? So I put out an APB to my community and I said, I need a coach. I got a couple of references back. And the one I chose is a guy from New Jersey who's, I'm from Chicago, and the two of us are just like Yankee out and talk over each other the whole time. And it's perfect. And I would not have had access to him if I hadn't had the community to ask. And I think a lot of times, especially in the very early days of being an entrepreneur, I didn't know that I could do that. Right. Those the first year or so, I didn't know that there were these groups of people who would get together and talk about this stuff that would, you know, (laughs) that would sit around. I mean, so part of EO, you get a forum and there's eight of us that sit around for five hours a month and share. And I learned so much from this group of individuals and for the other folks in this community, too. And I think uh, you don't have to go it alone and you don't have to figure out everything alone. And I, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like women have a tendency to say, I got it, right? I will do this. I will take it over. I will do all the figure laundry. It out. I will I'll run figure the it out. Right? I'll figure it out. I'll get dinner on the table. I will do every single thing I that myself. And I think one of the things I learned is like, just delegate it, right? <laughs> just if you like spend the time, focus on yourself. My friend, I have a friend, Morgan, and he says, you have, you have four buckets of hours. 10, 100, 1,000, and $10,000 hours. And the more you can get off your plate to be able to have a $10,000 moment, the better off you will be. So for example, if my brain is so focused on, you know, packing the kids up to go to school in the morning and is the laundry done and what's, what are we having for dinner this week? I don't have enough free brain time to have a $10,000 hour where I can think, oh man, I really should go hire all my friends that just got laid off and put them back to work for my clients. Like that's a $100,000 moment. And if I'm so if I'm so consumed by other things in my life and I don't give myself space to think and be able to to have those $10,000 moments, then I actually do the entire organization a disservice. I love it. I've, I've, this is the first time I'm hearing of the $10,000 moment. And it's so good. Thank you for sharing <laughs> that. You're absolutely right. This is what I love about even just connecting. I've learned so much from you every time that we've had a conversation, you know, and you know, it's, it's really the network, right? Like it's really just having these conversations being open to these dialogues, learning from what you've learned and sharing as well. So, um, Kara, thank you so much for being here. And before I let you go, I do want to hear, love to ask my guests that when they hit the million dollar club, was it, did you know that you hit it? Cause for you, it was definitely like a goal that you had. Did you know that you hit it? And then what happened? Did you celebrate? 
I knew I hit it because I had to hit it to, uh, to, to quote unquote graduate into the actual entrepreneur organization. So it was definitely a goal. And I, I remember running the PNL, uh, in QuickBooks. I, I, I invoiced all of our customers and I ran the PNL and it was like 1.0010. Right. And I was like, we did it. And we, we celebrated <laughs> in the office and my team did a whole Instagram, uh, social media thing and we got balloons. But to be totally honest, I was completely rudderless after hitting that goal. So I've always been extremely goal oriented. I did an Ironman in my 20s. I've always just like, oh, yeah, hold my beer. I'll go do it. And after I hit this first goal, there was no one else telling me what to do next, right? As many, many women who are like perfectionists like myself, show me the box and I will check it. And there was no next box. And so if I'm totally honest... I, uh, I got drunk and fell down a flight of stairs because I, I realized later that I was behaving so, you know, not poorly is the wrong word, but I, you know, sort of had a, a funny reaction to the hitting of the goal because there wasn't the next goal. So oh, I had my to, gosh. I had to take some time and like really think about what is the next goal, right? And And then put it together in a way that it was meaningful for me and the team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was a good night. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like a sad fall down the stairs. It was a funny fall down the stairs, but, uh, but regardless sort of had a, had a good and a bad reaction to the hitting of the goal. (laughs) That's so funny. I'm glad that you celebrated. Um, it was so wonderful and you're right. Like, I think it's like, you almost felt saddened because there was like this loss of like, what's next. Uh, So let me ask you. So now that you've had, um, you've, you're, you've had time to think about it and obviously are on to the next goal for yourself. What is next? Yeah. So the next goal is, uh, is YPO. I think that, um, I think we can do it. I think if we can grow through COVID and find a way to pivot again, um, we've proven that we can do it. So, you know, as a service-based entrepreneur, I think every service-based owner would love to have a product. So, We've got some plans for potentially a product, plans for more service-based businesses. Um, I'm super fortunate that my particular industry that we service has not been hit really hard by COVID, that supply chain supply chain is having a moment right now. So if you've read an article in the Wall Street Journal about toilet paper, you know, supply, supply chain is having a moment. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we've been very fortunate, but there are a lot of folks that do great work that we're not as fortunate. So I know a lot of really good people that do work in luxury travel or do work in, um, in, you know, other luxury products that are just not, you know, just taking a really, or sports taking a real nasty hit right now. So helping my friends is another goal and potentially doing some M&A, seeing if there are some folks out there that we could pick up that have had a really hard 2020, but have a really great team. And I think really important for me for this next, probably 18 to 36 months is to help as many people as humanly possible. Um, There are a lot of people that are hurting a lot right now. And if we can do, if we can do something, even just a little something, giving someone a couple hours of work, um, giving a woman who's trying to make her way some advice, um, meeting someone for virtual coffee to, you know, share the story and to help her pivot. We do that a lot. Um, you know, that, that's something that we can do. And I I feel very, very fortunate. I used to say I felt guilty, but I think I've changed my thinking. I feel very, very fortunate that we have an opportunity 
to help those that are sort of caught in a really bad spot right now. So that's, that's really the goal for 2020 and 2021. What a beautiful goal. And just, I'm so proud of you. And I love the impact that you're making. And I know you're going to continue to make that impact and get to your goal of YPO. I guess I have to join now. Uh, (laughs) We can do it together. (laughs) Let's do it together. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Um, And Kara, it's just been so much fun having you on this episode. I feel like I could talk to you forever. um, And I'm just so thrilled. So, and so honored. So thank you for joining us today. And where can we find you, Kara? So how can we find, where do we find you and how can we as a community support you? Sure. So there's two places you can find me. We have technically have two brands. One is the Smith Brown brand. So you can find us at smithbrownmarketing.com. And the second brand is lead coverage. So lead coverage is hyper-focused on the supply chain transportation space. Uh, So we're at leadcoverage.com. And then uh, help another woman, right? I think the other thing, uh, Launchpad 2X, I'm on the board for Launchpad. They are an absolutely amazing organization. Uh, less than 2% of females will break a million bucks, but 25% of Launchpad graduates will break a million dollars in revenue. So I think the work that Christy Brown and uh, that Bernie Dixon are doing at Launchpad is really, really meaningful. And so if you have a chance to check out the website and apply, be a part of that community, it, it's a, it's been a huge help to me. Um, and reach out, right? We're women that are sort of in the club, which is awesome to say. I love that you've actually started it because <laughs> I didn't have the guts to do it. So thank you for doing that. Um, are always open to sharing, right? Like I would love to mentor more women um, and help them and help them make it on their journey. Well, I really appreciate it. And I look forward to continuing to be part of the, of your success and your journey. And, uh, we'll be DMing on some sort of uh, (laughs) another new book or another challenge that we have. So I appreciate it. And, uh, thanks everyone for listening and I'll see you guys next week. Have an awesome day. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Follow us at CEO School on Instagram for show notes, inspiration, and exclusive behind the scenes that you won't find anywhere else. We also have an absolutely incredible resource for you. It's the seven lessons we learned building million dollar businesses. These are complete game changers and we want to give it to you absolutely free. All you have to do is leave a review of the podcast, why you love the show, screenshot the review, and email it to hello at ceoschoolpodcast.com and we'll send it your way.